Good morning, everyone. The scripture reading from this morning is Exodus 19, 1 through 8a. Three months after leaving Egypt, the Israelites entered the wilderness of Sinai. They followed the route from Rephidim, arrived at the wilderness of Sinai, and set up camp. Israel camped there facing the mountain. As Moses went up to meet God, God called down to him from the mountain, Speak to the house of Jacob, tell the people of Israel, you have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to me. If you will listen obediently to what I say and keep my covenant, out of all peoples, you'll be my special treasure. The whole earth is mine to choose from, but you're special, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is what I want you to tell the people of Israel. Moses came back and called the elders of Israel together and said before them all these words which God had commanded him. The people were unanimous in their response. Everything God says, we will do. The word of the Lord. All right, good morning again. Uh, How many times can you guys say that? Everyone asks you, everyone tells you good morning, so let's try one more time. Good morning. Uh, I will reiterate, I am church planter in residence. I'm going to be joining the staff for six months to learn from these beautiful people, to be with you, to preach about once a month, uh, and to figure out what it looks like to take the DNA of Genesis uh, more to the east side of the Twin Cities. So if you live near there, Want to talk more about that? This is my shameless plug. I've been given the microphone. Let's set up a coffee. Let's hang out. Let's talk about how you can participate in that or if you're feeling called end of sidebar. Uh, This morning we are entering a time of learning, remembering, and proclaiming through the sermon. And so I think it's okay to highlight that a number of months ago, I gave the message the Sunday after Philando Castile was shot and killed. Now today, I find myself giving the message the Sunday after the verdict. I'm trying my best to trust that I might have been made for spaces like this. So as we dive in, I want us to take just a moment of silence to acknowledge all the emotions brewing inside of us, whatever they are, and that may our silence remind us that it is our call to see to the shalom, the peace and wholeness of all our brothers and sisters. Amen. It is Father's Day, and as Katie mentioned, um, that can come with exuberant joy of being a dad. It can also come with emptiness of having someone who wasn't present in your life in the way that you had wanted or desired. And so, Happy Father's Day can be bittersweet. So, you are welcome here no matter how you feel about today. For those of you who are diving headfirst into being a dad and being the best you can, we commend you. Uh, I know for me, being a father and becoming a father has ultimately transformed the way I view the world, the way I view God. Um, and just the other day, I was 
driving with just my five-year-old son, and I know you're supposed to use your rearview mirror to like watch the traffic and all the ongoings out there, but I just like turned it, he fell asleep in the car, and I'm just like driving 75 miles an hour, just like weeping, like, I love you so much, and I know I failed you, and I don't want to fail you anymore, and like I could spend more time with you, and like so all these emotions, but my kids are a constant reminder of God's love. Uh, They surprise me, um, and they make me better. So happy Father's Day. I wanted to start out this week by listing what did I hear this week, what did I say this week, and what did I see this week. So what did I hear? Uh, I was at Walgreens, and uh, a beautiful little old lady was pushing her cart very slowly, and another lady happened to walk past her. They were flip-flops. I mean, they might have been like less soft than other flip-flops. But this lady stopped her cart, and what I heard this week was, those flip-flops are loud. <laughs> so I just kind of stopped in my tracks, like, will I ever get to a point in my life where I just speak it? I just, whatever I'm thinking, I'm just going to speak it. Um, so that was, that was interesting. What did I say this week? Uh, my daughter Mila was in the car, I was giving her a ride to daycare. She said, Dad, did you know that I can swallow Cheerios without even chewing them? And I said, Mila... I don't want to pull the car over and save you. I, and it's weird, this emotion of like, it's Father's Day. Like, I didn't say I wasn't willing to. I just don't want to. So, um, so I was like, please chew your Cheerios. And then w- what did I see this week? Um, and I want to point over here at my friend Becky. This week I saw people's eyes because of what you spoke to us about last week. That holy kiss. I saw more people's eyes than I had in a long time because I was, I was looking. So thank you. We are in Exodus chapter 19 this morning. We are one chapter away from the Israelites receiving the Ten Commandments. That's important to know. Okay, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, they are in the wilderness of Sinai. They will spend 57 chapters of the Bible here, almost like over a year. So this isn't just like, hey, Genesis, come on a wilderness retreat. It's going to be great. This is literally humanity estranged from their creator, okay? That's how we're setting up with Exodus 19. This is the, this is the, the cusp of the reversal of Eden's consequences when we left the garden. This is the breaking of the silence. And so we have this kind of full, weighty passage of God beginning to and starting to break back into entering fellowship and community since the Garden of Delight. Now, God has spoken to individuals up to this point, okay? He's spoken to Abram, he's spoken to Moses, but this is preparation for God getting ready to reside and speak to a people again, okay? So the Israelites have had three months of trust to get to where they are. So if you notice, it says three months after leaving Egypt, they entered the wilderness of Sinai. So we are 90 days in. 90 days. They've had three months of trust in the wilderness, wandering around. They've had deliverance from Egypt. They've had guidance on the way to go. They've had the Red Sea victory. They've been provided with miraculous food and water. And so now we're taken to the wilderness. And so some scholars describe this geography, the wilderness of Sinai, as an untamed space. There's a steep 
outcropping of a mountain in the middle of this desert wild. So are there any mountain climbers out there? Better Minnesota question I realized was like, have any of you hiked a large hill? <laughs> um, so if you've hiked a large hill or maybe a mountain, uh, when you're at the base of it and you look up, what does it feel like? Does it all play? What does it feel like? Daunting. Okay, keep going. Overwhelming? Like it goes on forever. Yes, exciting. You're already tired. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Terrifying. Am I really going to do this? <laughs> That's perfect. Why me? So the Israelites are filled with tension, excitement. There's a long ways to go. Fear, humility, a sense of what is ahead. Okay, so they're coming out of Egypt. They're coming out of the system... Systemic oppression, where in Egypt, the sin had moved from individual to empire. It was embedded in the culture and society. And so they, they left the anti-kingdom. They had left the anti-kingdom. And here was a really convicting thing for me this week as I looked at this. Is when you're leaving something that's anti-kingdom, no matter how jacked up it was, or is, you always feel disoriented leaving what's familiar. No matter how bad you want to leave, it always feels disorienting when you leave what is familiar. So that's where they are. So they're 90 days in to liberation and freedom. How long have they, did they spend in slavery before that? 400 years. So, because I like math... I have some equations for us. How many days is 400 years? Get those, get those devices out. Come on. It's a lot. All right. It's 146,000 days. So they've been free for 90 days. 90 days divided by 146,000 is 0.00062%. They've been free for 2,160 hours. They were in slavery for 3,504,000 hours. Point, they are still slaves. They are just beginning. They have no idea how to do this. In mind and spirit and action, they are still slaves. And so, if that's where Israel is, here's a question. We'll go all play on this one. Where are we for Moses? Where are we for Moses? <laughs> We're back in Exodus 3. Moses in the burning bush. When Moses stopped and saw that it was on fire and not being consumed. So we're on familiar ground for Moses. This is the place God speaks. And God says, you'll know it's me, Moses, who sent you to do this work because you will come back and serve me and worship me at this very mountain. So we're entering this place of a burning bush for Moses. He, re he returns to the place that God speaks. So I'm going to do something a little bit risky, a little bit bold, um, but us church planters were born to fail. Um, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling really optimistic about what I want to do. 
I'm going to invite some of you to just stand up in a moment, okay? And I'm, I'm going to kind of call you to that. And don't worry, you don't have to stand up. Some of you won't feel led to. But I have a message for both of you that find yourselves standing and those who remain seated. So, first, if you consider yourself a spiritual elder, a spiritual influencer, would you stand up? A spiritual elder, a spiritual influencer. This is not a time to be shy. This is a time to own who you are. If you are an influencer, an elder, stand up. Next, if part of why you started coming to Genesis was the sense you were supposed to lead others to new places and new territories when it came to faith, stand up. If you started coming because you felt you were supposed to lead others to new spaces, new territories, stand up. And finally, if you feel like you've had a significant burning bush Moses moment in your life where God was speaking to you, stand up. Okay? Those of you standing, this is going to be bold. When our community of ragtag Jesus followers needs to hear from God, we need you to invite us to your burning bush spaces. Conversational spaces, literal geographic spaces where you have heard from God. So as part of this community, and this I'm going to go there, these are no longer just your spaces. We need you to invite us there. Stay standing. For those of you not standing, two parts of this message. First, you don't need to be standing to be okay with God. Second, look around you. When you need help Hearing the still, small voice, these are your people. When you don't know what way to go next, these are your people. Find someone. Go to coffee. Plan a play date. Adults can do that too. <laughs> Literally, these are your people. Thank you for participating. You can sit down. So we're three months in, we're in the wilderness, we're in the burning bush moment, and Israel camped there facing the mountain. All play, what does it mean to face something? Up against it? Not be afraid to fail. Has your attention. What was that back there? Have courage. Take time to prepare. You're standing. You're standing your ground. Not avoiding it. Give up yourself. So here we are. We're camping and we're facing the mountain. Why? I mean, why is it important that that's in there? So we heard as Moses went up to meet God. So there's this idea that the voice of God was heard as he ascended, as he did the work, as he was facing the mountain. So there's this idea in Scripture of there is a sacred future, you're part of it, but it takes some work. It takes some climbing, it takes some effort, it takes some consistency and determination. 
So my question for us this morning is, what do you need to face in your life that you currently have your back towards? What do you need to face in your life that you currently have your back towards? A relationship, a situation. What do you need to face? Next, we go into this, idea, this, part, this part where God tells Moses, speak to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. It's like, well, who are you talking to here, God? House of Jacob and Israel? Those of you who kind of know that Bible 401 level that Steve talks about, uh, we'd have to go back to Genesis 37, uh, where we've got the story of Joseph, and Joseph is the only son of Jacob who has experienced Jacob as his new name, Israel. Okay, so Jacob is named Israel. So there's this language present in the text this morning that of the former and the future. Jacob, the former self, the self that flees from his brother to hide. And Jacob that learns to wrestle and that his greatness, his new name, his becoming Israel comes after wrestling, after pressing in, after the tension. Some of you this morning are searching for a new name, a new identity, a new way of doing things, not only for yourself, but maybe a new, new way of being for your spouse, for your children, to leave a different legacy. But in order to receive your new name, or your sacred future to be revealed, you have to wrestle first. And I think this morning that invitation is to participate, to play, to wrestle, to struggle, to get honest, and then discover what is your new name. So this invitation to face the mountain is really an invitation to wrestle with God. And just a quick side note is that I don't think we ever fully leave behind Jacob when we become Israel. There's always this tension of returning to what's comfortable, returning to, to what we've always been. But we begin over time as we learn to wrestle, learn to ask questions, learn to face those mountains. We start living more and more as Israel. And not only do we start living it more, but people around us start experiencing it more as well. So after God calls and calls out this kind of duality of the people, that you are the house of Jacob and you are also my people Israel, he says, you have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to me. So what are we remembering here? What is God asking us to remember? Plagues. What else is he asking us to remember? His faithfulness. Thank you, Bob. This is our reminder that it's all grace. It's all a gift. This rescue, this redemption, this liberation. I have brought you out of Egypt and its corrupting influences. Part of your history is the fact that you have been next to, carried by God's faithfulness. When we go into this 
this idea that your destiny, your sacred future as the church, as God's people, is partly based on what has already been done, that you have been delivered. And not only just delivered, but delivered on eagle's wings. So I was studying and looking at different stuff this week. So there's this idea that some people say the first flight of, a, of an infant eagle, the parent flies right underneath them. Ongoing tenderness, sustaining care. God bore you in eagle's wings, on eagle's wings, not gripped in the claws, but carried, protected, embraced. Tenderness, strength, that is our story. God has been faithful with tenderness and strength. And another person put it this way, an arrow from a hunter must first pierce the mother or father eagle before it can touch its young. Talk about a foreshadow, huh? That God's tenderness towards us, the seed upon which he placed us, God our mother, God our father, will be pierced in order to save us. I had to put the book down at that point and just stop. And so God is saying, I have brought you to myself, not so that you can do your own thing, but so that you can be my people. So if we follow along kind of the progression of this, this language, God is then fundamentally defined by an act of deliverance, an action on behalf of the oppressed. He says, I am the Lord who brought you out. Remember. Remember. So one thing about deliverance that I was thinking about this week was that I feel like deliverance does two things. Deliverance brings us back to God and it sends us out to be a deliverer. It brings us back and sends us out. So the next part says, listen. If you, listen obedient, if you will listen obediently to what I say and keep my covenant, you'll be my special treasure. So the words here, God is asking Moses, lay it to their faces. I just, I loved that this week of like, lay it before them. Lay it before the church for the people and say, all right, here's my promise. Here's my faithfulness, and now it's your move. Now it's your play. You can pick up this sacred identity as Israel, or you can walk away. So this is a choice. This is participation. This is skin in the game. This will require all of you. There's a story about a counselor who teaches at Seattle School that I love, when he was around 20-some years old, he tells some of his students that if he would have known all that Jesus would have required of him throughout his life, like if Jesus would have went out to dinner with him, grabbed an IPA and said, all right, here's, he, <laughs> here's what I'm going to require of you. This guy is brutally honest and he's like, I would have told him to, you know what, like, think of your, like, road rage gestures. Like, he would have said, no thanks. Too much. Can't do it. 
But in this verse, or in these verses, at the very end, the people just kind of lift up their hands and like, everything you say, God, we will do. And I don't know if you know this, but God hasn't said what he's going to ask them to do. So the over-analytical, terribly critical part of me is like, idiots. <laughs> so there's this commitment to a vision. Commitment in principle, not particulars. There's a commitment in principle and vision, not particulars. So God says to Abram, leave all that's familiar to a place I will show you. Hey, Moses, I'll tell you where you're going when you start walking. I don't like this verse. I need particulars. I need a plan. I need control. I need to know I'm going to be successful. I need to know this church plan is going to work. But there's also beauty in this. There's surrender and freedom and trust and love and dependence on God. And last week we sang, God, I need you. Every hour I need you. So we, Genesis, we come to this place of participation on Mount Sinai where the ball is in our court. Your move, your play, your destiny is on the line. And I think most of us, despite the fear that's associated with the not knowing, we sense and know somewhere deep within ourselves that it would be worth it to say yes to God. To say yes to all the beautiful and mysterious encounters we will have with each other and with God. Because you are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. That if you obey God's voice and keep his covenant, then you become something. You become someone. And so this idea of obeying is predicated that we, f- we first must listen and stop and notice and see. It's not just, hey, obey these rules. It's more of be aware of your surroundings. Notice what's happening in the world. Notice who's hurting around you. And then stop long enough to see it. Stop long enough to hear my voice. And then keep the covenant, covenant I'm about to bring you. Then you will bring forth the sacred future. So your destiny as Israel, the Israelites' destiny, it's not completely fulfilled until we both know and do. We have to know it. We have to do it. God is preparing to break the silence. And so as I mentioned at the beginning, we are on the cusp of Exodus 20 which is the Ten Commandments. For many of us growing up, the Ten Commandments were a rigid stone tablet made to oppress us, made to confine us. They made us angry. They gave us a small picture of God. And the beautiful thing is that as God prepares to speak to a people since the first time in the garden, he's actually saying, I want to take you back to a place where you can learn how to be human again. I'm giving you this covenant, these commands, 
to teach you how to be human again. You have experienced Egypt, Egypt, and I want you to create the anti-Egypt. I have brought you out, I've rescued you, I've saved you. Not so that we can just walk around and say, we're rescued, we're rescued, we're liberated, we're liberated. But so that you can become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You, friends, will mediate the divine. You will put the divine on display. You will show people what God looks like. So then, Sinai, where we journey together today, is not just the place where we speak and keep speaking, I'm liberated, I'm liberated. Rather, we show the world how to be a kingdom of priests. On Sinai, you, church, have been invited to meet with God, and you've been invited to be the message. So whatever you carry in this morning, your personal redemption and rescue is the message. God is saying, I'm looking for a group of people who are going to be this. It's not a top ten list of how to be a great Christian. It's not three keys to fixing what's broken or being super happy. The message is, my people who were in Egypt, were in slavery, have been brought out. So if you have an individual Egypt that you're being freed from and liberated from, that's the message the world needs to hear. If you are trying to break through the oppression of systemic racism or injustice and you're trying to, to, to just blow up the system that currently exists, that's the message the world needs to hear. We don't need perfection. This is hard for me to say because I'm a one on the Enneagram. I need everything to be perfect. But we don't need perfection. We need movement from Egypt to Sinai. We face the mountain. We face each other. We face ourselves and our secrets and our messes. And as we do that, just like last week, we take each other's faces in our hands. We look each other in the eye We greet each other with a holy kiss that encompasses every detail of our story, no matter how broken, and we gradually leave Egypt, story by story, encounter by encounter. Go and be a kingdom of priests. And so the last thing that I'll leave you with is part of what we carry with us is a sense that all is not right in our own lives, in our world. There's violence, there's hunger, there's clean water issues, there's poverty and heartache and death and sickness, injustice, racism, and we say, God, where are you? It's a valid question. I love its honesty. I ask it. It's important. But when we ask it, we have to be prepared for the answer, which, is, which might be, and very well could be, and is God saying the same thing. I, w- I was wondering the same thing. Where are you? So Sinai then raises the question of, where are you? 
and who will you be? Amen. We're going to move into a time of silence, and then Steve will come up and lead us.